everybody, check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listing platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com So today I wanted to go level two, you know, just dig a little deeper. Um, but, but basically, let's use the Sunshine Place podcast as a small guide today and just kind of go through a sequence. And I know both of you have unique perspectives because, A, you're a Synanon kid adjacent who, to family who grew up in Synanon. And then, Sylvia, you were there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Nine, nine plus. Yeah. You saw the... My husband was there for 18 years, so that's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost 19, almost 19. What decade did you arrive? What what year? 1969. Okay, so they were 10 years in, 55 is starting, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and so the Synanon, you came in as a lifestyler. No, I didn't. I didn't oh. come in as a lifestyler. Wait, okay, straighten me out. At that time, that was just the beginning of the idea of lifestyle. So there wasn't a lifestyle oh, okay. thing. But um, and you, I, you... I would have been a, a borderline, in other words. Uh-huh. Um, but my, there were lots of lifestyles who used more drugs than I did, frankly. Right, because you say borderline, like you were not a heroin addict. You were not an addict. No. But you wanted to live away from like the... An, lifestyle type you know I was yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was you know I had taken LSD and I had taken yeah. you know uh, pot and stuff like that and mm-hmm. I wasn't able to really I could not handle these drugs so and back in the 60s years. it's hard to get away from it it's at every very party hard. it's like all the time yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah very hard so yeah. I synonym was a commune without the drugs and that's what I was looking for Right. Community. I was looking for a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was trying to get away from, you know, the drug use because, you know, my friends, they all seem to take endless acid trips. And, I, you know, at least they seem to function with me. <laughs> I, I wasn't able to function. It was really, really hard on me. Yeah. I wouldn't so, be able to do it. I can't. Either. I couldn't do it. Mm-mm. So anyway, that's that's the reason there wasn't really lifestylers didn't come in till the you know about six months later. I'm gonna say maybe within sixty nine seventy is when they first started taking in lifestylers. Okay. Oh, I had the timeline wrong. Okay, got it. Now, when you arrived, you wanted a um, different place that was kind of a relief from all of that. What was your arrival like? So you got told, invited, probably, right? No, I mean, I, I went there. My fr- I had a friend who was playing the game. 
She was okay. a team player. Oh, okay. And she she suggested I come up there. And when I went up there, as I remember all those years ago, um, they interviewed me and I said, and I had, I mean, I didn't have anything. My choices at that time was go into Senanon or go home to mommy. <laughs> I didn't want to go home to mommy. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any money or resources really. I was really, mm -hmm. uh, so it was kind of, but I was, I had been a lab tech for many, many years. Hmm. Um, I worked in research and in New York, Pres Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, and mm -hmm. did a lot of that. And so th it, it gave me a different experience because they were building this medical, internal medical facility. And uh -huh. so the first thing they did is put me to work as a lab tech. Oh, interesting. Okay, wait. So what location was that? Oakland. Whoa. I didn't even know they built an internal medical lab. We had our own doctors. We had our own labs. We had our own x-ray. We had our mm -hmm. own. We didn't want to take people and send them out to, to facilities. Yeah. So the whole commune idea. These five Every. doctors. Wow. Yeah. So when they moved in, we had a pediatrician, we had um, mm -hmm. internists. Yeah, it was. We had our own uh, on the on the. I think it was the ninth floor in Oakland. We had a, mm -hmm. a a medical facility, so if you were sick, you could recover. You know, we had rooms like hospitals. Yeah. yeah, we. I mean, we didn't want to send people outside of Sinanon if we could have. And the interesting thing to me about this whole, like, nexus, let me take you, um, okay, sh yeah, you're already free to speak, Sari, at liberty, um, but when the, the, the fever pitch in society that had been reached with addiction at the time, it's hard to understate. It, it, it's like, there was so many drugs going through the United States young people it was so permeated that it was almost like its own disease every drug you know just just wrecking lives um soldiers dropping out and, and becoming acid heads or whatever my father uh, eventually lost his mind and became a drug addict too so like it was an epidemic it was like a pandemic only it was, it was with drugs right my God, I know. I, I just wanted to, to try to paint the picture for people who can't visualize, like, why would you want to live in a commune rehab? Because it's a safe place to not step on a hypodermic needle or be forced to reefer madness at a party. It's just not, you know, and yes, you're right. That The thing we've got going on right now is state of emergency. But back in the day, no one questioned. Uh, um, I'm sure there were initial doubts and questions, but the process you guys used in Synanon to rehab someone became a norm. Yes. And first yeah. of all, it was like they were given a job and a direction after they got clean off the, whatever substance on the spot. I'd say that's revolutionary. That's what's different to me. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think that. Um... Um, but what was interesting is that, you know, in in the first episode, 
um, we talked about in episode 39, you and I, and Sari talked about the fundraising, and there was a tremendous amount of money. Society still has not solved addiction, okay? So I think that there was a tremendous amount of money because it was like, well, we want to solve this. But society doesn't want to deal with addiction, but it does want the music and the theater and everything that comes from people doing drugs, but it doesn't want the addiction um, in its face. So it was like something to sweep under the rug. And if some guy was willing to sweep it for them, <laughs> they were happy. I could see why the support was tremendous and financially too. And you you actually detailed for us like some of the businesses that they had that would sell to the outside world and make money to keep going. And yeah. so there was quite a few. It was a little city, really. Yeah. Within, With its yeah, own laws. Totally. And totally. Did, did you guys have a, um, what they call, you know, like a constitution that's an internal constitution? Or was there a law posted? Was well, that no, way? this was, uh, I'm thinking of reframing mine, the Synanon philosophy. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, um, and the Synanon prayer. Which, right. Uh, cited every day. You know, okay. Okay. that there comes a time in everyone's life. I believe this is Emerson, I'm pretty sure, when he arrives at the conviction that envy is ignorance. Well, yeah. that's not exactly like one of the Ten Commandments. Ten right. Commandments, right? That limitation that excuse me, that imitation is suicide, that he must accept himself for better or for worse, as is his portion. That though the wide universe is full of good, no kernel of nourishing corn can come to him. But through his toil, but through his toil bestowed on that plot of ground which is given to him to till, the power which resides in him is new in nature, and none but he knows what it is he can do, nor mm -hmm. does he know until he has tried. Bravely yeah. speak the utmost syllable of his conviction. God will not have his work made manifest by cowards cowards and so on and so forth but anyway mm -hmm. this was the the holy grail of uh, synonym mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh we recited it and the synonym prayer let me first and always examine myself let me be honest and truthful see i'm saying that from memory because i said it so many times but anyway mm -hmm. um wow. the prayer and the and the philosophy uh, were fantastic. They're yeah. great. You right. know, uh, very, pick yourself very up, dust sound. yourself off. Yeah. You know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Don't blame others for your situation. Um, get get yourself together. Only you can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, God will not have his his work made manifest by cowards. Uh, and God helps those who help themselves. So this was the idea that, that uh, you know, yeah, okay, so your dad left you and your mom, you know, didn't love you and yeah, whatever. But right. you're an adult now. You have choices. Let's move along. You know? Yeah, but I think we know now that that is extremely detrimental and while it is very encouraging, um, you know, the, we know now countless studies have shown that psychologically uh, we need to work through things and, you know, asking somebody to simply move on can have mm -hmm. lasting effects of um, 
buried trauma, especially when that was taught to the children, because then they never learn um, how to self-soothe. They only know, you know, to keep it in. Okay. Point very taken. Um, When you say self-soothe. I'm I'm talking about adults now. I'm not talking about children. See, that's a different matter. Those children, uh, we're talking about adults who come in. Uh, you know, I was in charge of the newcomer department, myself and Gary Williams. Um, okay. Down in, in Santa Monica, we had about 100 right off the street dope fiends or people that were placed there from jails. Wow. From, from the courts and everything. And A um, hundred. Oh, yeah. At least a hundred. And, and they were coming in. And there was him and I. I mean, there were not at that point, And this is like in... Mm, yeah, this is in the 70s, uh, maybe 75. I can't remember exactly. And uh-huh. uh, he, um, uh, those people, I mean, who's going to do it for you if you're not going to get your act together? You know what I mean? A lot of some of these uh-huh. people, their choice was go to Synanon or, or go to prison. Right. There's a motivator. Yeah. So There's a, it's a hell of a lot better. The food was definitely better than prison. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you were treated better than prison. Of course, yeah. you, had to, you had to do things. You had to exercise. You had to not eat sugar. <laughs> not eat, now, you had to give up smoking. You know, we, I mean. Let me interject. Yeah. So some of the listeners of the Sunshine Podcast can get, uh, you know, stuff from this. A, we had a question, audience question. Has there, was there any connection to the Betty Ford clinics that later came, uh, became very popular? Was it inspired by Synanon, guys? God, I don't know. The Betty Ford clinic was, wasn't it more of a hospitalization? Alcohol focused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Alcohol. But I think it was more of a, like you I don't know much about Betty Ford. Okay. So I don't know how it was run. But yeah, I could see how it would be inspired, maybe. The idea of retreating and cleaning up, you know, became a thing, became what's called rehab now. Yeah, but you get out of the Betty Ford clinic. Correct. You don't live there. You don't get mm. out of Synanon. Mm. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I think the big difference big- with the Betty Ford clinic um is that uh what from my understanding from betty ford is they have comprehensive treatment they have psychological treatments physical treatments um you know medical treatments for kicking um they Mm -hmm. had and and one of their big uh pillars is that they treat the family as a whole so when the addict goes into a betty ford center the family does intensive therapy both separately and with the patient yeah. um, because they know that addiction is also about, you know, habits and your environment. Oh, and yeah. I think there is absolutely some influence from Synanon um, for sure. I mean, as, as with any, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous um, type group. However, um I think the treatment is much more comprehensive and holistic from my understanding um, mm-hmm. rather than Synanon, which really separated the families in, in that sort of line that we were talking about where 
you know, the parents had to get their act together and only they can do it. So, you know, they got to separate themselves from everything. And Betty Ford understands that those patients will go back to their families and back to their environments. Yeah. And they try to treat the, treat everybody as a whole so that right. everybody can change. And that is the tricky part is like, you know, addiction is when we have uh, feelings we need to take care of or a hole that's not being filled or something that needs to be met. And we can toss something in there to make us feel better, you know, food or whatever. And well, I think, don't you have to pay for Betty Ford or isn't it? Yeah, like I think so. Food? And you're well, right you in making the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you don't pay for Synanon. So right. they would come in and they would be taken in. And right. uh, the lifestylers, you know, were asked to donate their money. Right. But as right. far as if you were an addict, uh, nobody... There was no money involved. So I don't know. Not everybody can afford Betty Ford. <laughs> no, right. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's one of the major issues. It's like these rehab things we have now are very, you know, high level and they're retreats. They're by the ocean. They're only 10000 for a week. You know, <laughs> you're like, yeah. whoa, whoa. And um, not that I have direct experience with any of that. Uh, but listen, guys, I wanted to go episode one, Kid Snatchers. Um, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast. So in Kid Snatchers, uh, you guys, uh, Sarah, you narrate the part about the part of Synanon that um, is where a parent signs a kid up and then a squad picks them up at their house without their consent or will and takes them to Synanon. Tell us how that would go. So that was a, that's a controversial topic, even within the Synanon community, because, you know, there's mm -hmm. two ways to look at it, of course. Um, it, it, in one sense, you know, these are, the parents are the legal guardians, and, you know, they, their children have been somewhere else by their will, however, they have the final legal say, and, you know, if they want um, if they want their child with them, they want their child with them. So, you know, some could say that, you know, that's absolutely within their right. It wasn't as traumatic as, as people said. But, you know, the other way to look at it is that these kids were finally settled in possibly the first stability they've ever had because their, you know, parents or parents were addicts. Um, hmm. And, you know, they were raised yeah. from people that they knew and loved and, you know, po possibly felt safe with. Um, to be in a school where uh, their safety wasn't necessarily guaranteed. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it, it was scary. And, and there were kids that really did feel like they were, you know, kidnapped and, and ripped from their home, um, you know, and right. the ugly legal battles ensued for custody. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so you could, you could say that, you know, they were kid snatchers. I mean, they did go in the middle of the night, you know, so they would say, well, you know, it was to, um, you know, keep the kids calm and, you know, the, there was never a right time and they couldn't take them out of school. But, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it could be very traumatic. In fact, um, we now know uh, Paris Hilton had spoke about her trauma with with TTIs now, we know the trauma right. teen industry. And she was taken to her facility uh, in the middle of the night. They, they literally grabbed her, put her in a van, didn't tell her where she was going and drove her off. And she now has therapy for that because that was traumatic. So we know that these kind of situations leave a lasting impact. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I feel for those kids because uh, I can't imagine finally having a break from your 
sick parent and right. then being putting back into harm's way. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me say this about that, though. Uh, there always had to be a parent involved. In other words, either the one parent was in Synanon. I mean, it it was by one parent's consent. It may not have been both parents, but one of the parents did consent to. Now, some of these uh, situations were 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 what when a dope fiend came into Synanon. And they were there for many years, and their child was in uh, either in welfare custody, you know, in foster homes, or and they okay. wanted to have their child in Synanon. Then there were situations where Synanon went to bat and uh, to, for them legally, to for them to get custody of their child. Now, once they were in Synanon, they were placed in the Synanon school, which didn't have them interact with their parent that much you know right so uh but there had to be a parent involved so and a comment i i'd like to make is that um what's interesting about that is that if the parent was causing the addiction the first relief the child ever had was the separation experience in case that was like abuse you know right happening. right but but, but yeah but, but yeah, i think it was the beginning and you have to correct me if i'm wrong but it certainly is a norm now. The court ordered rehab, but didn't exist back then. Uh, I don't know. I really don't. And know. when you say they were saying you have to get clean, and then synonym was an option, oh my gosh! Yeah. So, so that's like having a contractor of the government. You know, being a contractor of the government. Uh, right. I'm not sure I understand. Well, if um, if it's a solution to the court that the child could go to synonym or adult, yes, you know, yes. prison or get clean here, wow, that's yeah, got to well, be the first of its kind at that time. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we had uh, amazing. I, but the other thing was the, the children. See, you had the children that were born in synonym through the. Mm -hmm you know, the hatchery, and then they had, you know, this group of people that went through this birthing thing together. So those kids uh, had a sense of um, entitlement, let's say. Yeah. And so when kids came from the outside, uh, like the punk squad, but also like just kids that were not in Synanon, where their parents were in 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 positions of authority or, you know, uh -huh. higher up in the, in the food chain, so to speak. Yeah. They privileged. were not always uh, privileged. They were not always the nicest to, um, to new okay. coming in children who had no idea where they were coming from or yeah. what they were doing. They, they said, this is, you know, we don't have to treat them nice. Now, of course, mm. I'm not saying it's right. It's wrong. And they Understood. know it now too. They yeah. know it now, too. You'll hear them say, boy, because uh, okay. I mentioned, um, now I forgot her name. Sarah, you'll have to tell me. Who was the gal who was taken in? It was uh, in that first episode in Kid in Snatching. Kid snatching? About. You know what In Kid Snatching? Yes. I forgot her um, name. Well, I'm looking on the description. I, I don't think name. it's listed. Selena. Uh, and Mike, yeah, Selena yeah. and Mike, Selena, Selena, Selena. There you go. Um, yeah. So my kids, uh, you know, my daughters who 
my stepdaughter. Two daughters. Okay. Uh, they they knew her, and she said she what they didn't treat her very nicely, mm-hmm. and she's sorry because she didn't realize. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't understand they were children, so they didn't understand how stressful. I mean, yeah. how scared she was. <laughs> yeah. They just so there's a pecking hand. order for those coming in for rehab. They're also oh, they're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're entering like a prison system for kids, sort of. Yeah. Uh, which is educational. Just, yeah, they they were they were the originals. They felt entitled, you know. Yeah. So here was this foreigner coming in, and Lord yeah. of the Flies. Yes, they do. <laughs> and it's a shame. It's a shame that. Yeah, that out. dynamic. I can only imagine. Yeah. Well. It, oh, you know, okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's very frustrating, um, you know, even listening to some of this rhetoric even now, because I, okay. I feel like there's a lot of uh, apologetic rhetoric around this issue. You know, um, was it legal? Yes. Um, you know, blaming blaming the kids that were already there for, you know, making it a tough situation on the younger kids. But really, you know, you have to understand that, yes, this was a, um, back to your, you know, your your pertinent comments, uh, yes, this was court-ordered rehab, technically the first of its kind, but you mm-hmm. have to understand that Synanon uh, prided itself on not taking any government resources or any government grants. They had people that came oh. and took a tour, um, you know, from the government so that they could take, you know, put their best foot foot forward and then they uh-huh. would go out and say, you know, it's a miracle on the beach. Um, and they funded mm-hmm. their own own research. That's the caveat, their own research on the Synanon school, you know, and then and then they would come out and say, you know, this is the best school, it's great. But you have to understand they pride themselves on not taking every, any government resources so that they didn't have to, you know, um kowtow to anybody. So they didn't have to change themselves for anybody. And these this were not regularly great. inspected facilities. These were not regularly inspected schools. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of apologetic rhetoric from the Synanon community about how these kids were treated, whether or not, you know, the kids created a poor environment themselves, whether mm-hmm. it was technically legal, um, you know, but this was not an inspected school. And, you know, like I said, hmm. I think there's very real trauma from these kids, um, about being taken in the middle of the night. And okay, let me ask really you. Mm-hmm. This is very um, great nuance that I, I love to find out about this type of historical event. Because first of all, you did just set me straight. There was no contractor um, set up. So the uh-huh. money coming in was from private donors or parents or uh, community donations, or, or the came in businesses, gave up all their assets. or, or synonym businesses. No, yeah. Oh, oh uh, those two <laughs> things I did. I knew the synonym business, but people gave up assets at the door. Oh, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Oh, that's the whole lifestyle thing. That's I mean, that's the co- slash commune. It's a you know yes. send, mm-hmm. sold their houses and and mm. gave the money to synonym. Uh, stocks, oh my gosh. bonds, anything they had, they they liquidated. They're That's everything. still the cold norm today, my friends. Rehab yeah. or not, okay, okay. A, a relevant story to this and the kids. Um, uh-huh. But there was one child. I can't remember who it was. There was one child. She, she you know, she was there for years, and her only um, 
secondary legal guardian was her grandmother, the only one else outside the community. I think her mom brought her into Sinanon, you know, as mm-hmm. an addict. Uh, and her grandma passed away and left her an inheritance, you know. And this child, you know, she had nothing else. Her mom came in, you know, as an addict and, you know, didn't have much. So, you know, I think it was something like eight or nine thousand dollars, which back then was enough to pay college, you know, right. start a, a life, put, you know, get oh, yeah. a house, down payment. It was a lot. Um, and Sinanon seized everything from that child because it claimed that, mm-hmm. it, you know, the child's property, the child was part of Sinanon and therefore Ooh. the child's property and the child's inheritance was Ooh. part of Sinanon. So the child left um, Sinanon with nothing, even though <gasps> her grandmother basically left her, her life's assets to her. Oh my God. Well, you can say that. Okay, this was, I'm going to give you the Sinanon story on that. Okay. But you have to understand also that some of the dope fiends that came into Sinanon left their children, split, yeah. and left their children behind. That's yeah. what they did. I was I was very close to this one child. Right. And uh, I actually, she was a baby. Uh, I saw the mother running down the street, God. and I said, where's the baby? Where's the baby? And I went in there, and I found the baby in the crib crying. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how crazy these the you know some of these people were i can't imagine yeah. how you just leave your child she was not the only one that we were left behind but <gasps> the synonym philosophy on that was well we spent all this money raising you and mm-hmm. caring for you and your medical bills so that's you know they were that's <sighs> what the, the party line would be that insane you should you should donate that to the cause of synonym now, yeah. unfortunately, when Sinanon was poor, I could kind of get it. But when Sinanon became very wealthy, that's another matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the idea was a commitment to the one community. It was right. that you were, there wasn't such a thing as the outside, you know? Right. I mean, they exist. Right, right. So, um, wow. I'm not saying it's right or I'm not saying it's right. I'm just uh, giving you the, the, the yeah. party line. The party line you. would be how they made it you, happen. <laughs> we fed you, we clothed you, yeah. we doctored you. you and now, yeah, you owe us your life. Okay, mm-hmm. I can see how that would be large sums, each person giving that up. And many a cult, many a cult has done that. Synanon. Scientology. Okay, so um, now the second episode, and there's eight, of Miracle on the Beach covers basically the concept that started Synanon. You know, Diedrich's motivation, Charles Diedrich's motivation, uh, his own alcoholism. But it's interesting because his focus was not alcoholism. It was anything, but it was basically really focused on heroin, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess at the time. Well, it started out with alcoholism. You know, it started okay. out that because he was an alcoholic and he was he was an yeah. AA person. Yeah. So, but then, you know, some some heroin addicts came to his meetings, and he just happened to notice that they weren't using drugs. So, right. Heroin, okay. heroin was very big on the streets then. You know. Right. It was. Um, Beatniks and all that. 
Yeah. So, you know, we talk in the 50s, yep. early 60s. And then we got a whole new blend of people, you know, people like me who, you know, took acid and stuff. But then yeah. we had young kids who were taking uh, just designer weird drugs. They'd come in, be yeah. totally messed up. I mean, there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of bad drugs out there. Still, as you say, even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Even worse now. And so, and now the, as the, it became known in Santa Monica, right? On the miracle on the beach. And it's funny because that vibe hasn't changed much in that area. Still, like, people like to, there's a lot of rehabs there, various counties, Orange County, L.A. County. Um, but then this this idea of going from rehab to using LSD medicinally, internally with people, it, it really, um, I can't help but fixate on that. <laughs> That, jumping that bridge. Thing about that, I mean, I I I never noticed that in cinema mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I did not. I'm not aware of any. Okay. Uh, so that was certain there. people, maybe. I don't know. I, the, not the whole episode way, three is um, about how he took uh, Diedrich took people on guided trips, oh. um, using well, LSD. Well, that was much later after I left. It was okay. after I left. If he did that, we had the tr- we had something called the trip, which was a dissipation. It was a dissipation, meaning you didn't sleep for seventy two hours, and the dissipation it was there were not any drugs. I mean, I was a guide on that on one of the trips, and my husband Bill, he was the conductor. What it was is when people lack sleep. They mm-hmm. are much more prone towards spilling their guts, telling mm-hmm. the truth, telling whatever's in their closet, the closet yep. of their mind. And my husband was very good at psychodrama. That was another big thing that we were into in the early days. And he was able to play out people's fathers and, mm-hmm. you know, different characters in their lives that were causing them that they had hidden away that were traumatic for them. So um, the trip was a combination of, it, it was an experience. It was incredible. It was incredible. You you went in on the trip um, in robes, um, You no jewelry, no makeup, um, no ribbons in your hair, just you. And uh, there were many long game situations but there was also music and people we we did a thing with washing of the feet which makes people break down and cry you know it's just very some people um have never been loved mm-hmm. or, or touched in a loving way so we had guides and shepherds and a conductor I and mean, these were all the things but it was all on all based upon that at the time, and I can't tell you who exactly, um, it was all based around um, dissipation, lack of sleep. Yeah, well, you know, you <laughs> you give me flashbacks uh, to my experience in the cult because they use sleep deprivation all the time oh. in these group said settings and psychodrama. So it'd be like, you have an issue with your... Uh, your your sister okay i'm gonna be your sister and we'll we'll role play 
Yeah. And, you know, it's it can get interesting, but it, it, it can also get kind of hairy when you don't have someone to turn that off or come in and, yeah. and say, be an arbitrator. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. wow. Um, so, uh, but but, it, but in that era, this yeah. was so normal. Yeah. And what else? I mean, let, let's face it. What else is there? I mean, what are they doing now for people? So people are going into therapy. Not a lot. For, you know, not a lot. So um, sadly, there's an app now that young people can get counseling on automatically from a AI. Come on now. What? From an AI? <laughs> yes, an app that you put in your problem, you type in some keywords, it'll say, well, you, it sounds like you're experiencing depression. Why don't you do this? That's okay. True. Auto, like when this problem uh, is from lack of love to begin with, all of it, you know, in my opinion. Um, so, okay. And the, the end result of the, um, the end result of the trip was one people were very much tied into Synanon. I don't, mm -mm. I don't know of anybody who left Synanon right after the trip for quite a they while. I mean, they were very, and also there was, if, if the situation was good, and I, uh, you know, as I said, I was fortunate enough to guide, uh, be a guide in one of the trips. There was just some beautiful things that happened between people. I think people did end up feeling loved. And part of the human race again, if they mm -hmm. had lost that sense. So <laughs> it was um, a very so you you never you went on a trip when you were about in sitting on six months or more. Oh, okay. And there was a whole uh, like sequence uh, to it. Yes, you had to be. Okay. You know, you had to be there a while, and you had to. Um, Okay. So. You have to be clean six months, probably. How how long does it take to to dry out? For, technically, you saw it a hundred times. I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. I mean, everybody was different. Depends on what they were using. I hmm. can't, I okay. can't say there was one thing, and it depended how long they've been using and what they were using, and you know, I I would say that it was. Uh, troublesome because I do look back on it now and think that there were some people who really suffered through the um, withdrawal period that mm -hmm. um, maybe that was severe. Yeah, it was severe. I mean, throwing up and, and being really sick. But the, you know, I think the idea of cold Turkey was that you see, do you want to go through this again? Maybe you better not do it. Right. A threshold to pass through. Well, it's people. interesting because, um, late, late in life recently, I, I spoke to a nurse uh, just conversationally, and she was telling me alcohol is physically more addictive. You could die from an addiction to alcohol than LSD, heroin, or any other drug. And I said, really? Wow. That's not what we are told as a society. Because, right. um, you know, society believes heroin is the most addictive drug. She said alcohol is the most addictive drug. It's the hardest. And if you go cold turkey, you can actually die. I said, oh, my gosh. I'm not surprised. Like the, the propaganda is so strong on alcohol. <laughs> they want to keep those sales up. It, you know, like, okay, I'm one of those people who stopped drinking and I don't regret it at all. I feel so amazing, like much better. Um, 
but it's so in our society it's so permeated there's no yeah, question about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a it's a sound people use to drown sorrows of society yeah so okay so but it was pretty harmonious necessarily there wouldn't be like too many flare-ups of of violence because there was no violence allowed until later um and that would begin in episode four with the pump squad that um i i guess i don't know what ushered in the major change of heart but it was pretty extreme from peaceful uh verbal uh argument only to punk squad <laughs> what on earth was was the beginning of why did that change uh chuck's paranoia just got the better of him yeah he was you know he he was certain that they were coming after him you know they were coming after Sinon. yeah and and uh and he was right. And maybe, maybe they just, I don't know, maybe the agencies. Just, yeah. The tax, you know, he had a tax yeah. exempt status that right, now right. they were so wealthy and they had so much and uh -huh. they still had a tax exempt status and we had right. all these businesses and stuff. So yeah, maybe he had something to be paranoid about. Started getting messy. Yeah. And established and so established. It was like, you guys have people referring dope fiends to you like just, you know constant so yeah okay that was that and then the breeders um it's extremely severe um when they just that point in the story where they decide that no one is going to breed anymore but you had already talked about i don't know if there was already the infirmary at that time there's already kids there that people had abandoned I mean, I can see how that'd be an incredible liability. First of all, it's like babies. Okay, rehab kids is one thing. Babies, that's a lot. So was the was the um, infirmary already there, or did this breeder exclamation from Chuck, "No more breeders"? Is that when the infirmary began, and then it's like this will be the last of the babies? No, you're talking about the breeders group that got that had babies. I think you're mixing it up. We had a whole I, medical. I facility. am. I am mixing it up. Tell me, straighten me so, out. So no, the the idea was, and it's at first, you know, it's it just sounds ideal. You get a you get a group of people, and Gary was one of them. He had a son that way, uh, with Tanya. Uh, they. You, you get some couples and they say, I want to, you know, I want to have a child. So they, they live together. Okay. And, um, okay. The think that's the breeders group. They get pregnant. They go through pregnancy and birthing together. They have each other to go through the experience. They have, um, uh, you know, they game each other. Then they, they can help, you know, you always have a babysitter. Yeah. Right? Not, and everybody's very close. The children are close. They grow up together. Eventually, mm -hmm. they, the children go into the school. But um, hmm. if you think about it, I know when I had Sari, I was alone. My parents, my mother had had a stroke. I, 
I really didn't have anybody to help me. I mean, mm. I hired a doula. I could see where having other couples in the same situation yeah. you're in um, be just a real boon. I mean, you know, just I'll be honest, though. It's a bit spooky, like, to plan it like that. But I know people do, like, suburban people do, too. Well, you know, you hear people, my sister's pregnant and I'm pregnant at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything innately wrong with it. There's no, nothing no. wrong with it. The, Chuck's business about not having any more children. I okay. Mean, he, that was just because he couldn't have any more children or didn't want to. Okay. Uh, you know, when he said it had to do with the world population, it, I, I don't believe that. I don't yeah. believe that. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> Reaching. We didn't take in orphan kids from Sri Lanka, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden. No. Now, we weren't taking, our, you know, a, a slew of orphans in all of a sudden because mm -hmm. we were trying to save the world's population. No, you know, he'd get these whims. He'd read something or right. about the world population and suddenly uh, we're not having any more children and all the men have to have vasectomies and, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, it was extreme. It was it definitely was. extreme, and okay. uh, and uh, you know there were many people. As you know, if you've lived in a cult, there are always the, yes. those who want to be good soldiers. Yep, you don't want to follow the course. They they, they just close their minds. Yep. to any discretion. You're correct. To any. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, certainly towards the end when I was ready to go, um, I really felt this way that some of the people who had no, very little power in Synanon, very little power, when they, when this, these issues that didn't really affect them came about, they suddenly became, um, uh, maniacs. I mean, they they hmm. they pushed the cause because that gave them power somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I well, remember, that that's you know, very culty. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'd look at them and I'd say, "What did you ever do in Synanon? Now hmm. all of a sudden you you have something to say. You never <laughs> did anything. Why are you so I adamant see. about these things? Why are you you supporting this garbage?" Where did that come from? So I don't know. I, I have, I, I honestly, cult, um, you know, you see it, you see it in the U.S. of A. People will blindly, blindly follow without any thought. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Sari? Um yeah, and to clarify for the, the listeners, um, when the podcast talks about breeders, um, there very well may have been a group that of a support group, but when we talk about the breeders, we're talking about um, a group of people that either came in pregnant or were already pregnant uh, when the mandatory abortions and vasectomies happened mm -hmm. and either couldn't wow. or refused to get an abortion. And they were somewhat uh, outcast because, um, you know, nobody else was getting pregnant at the time or allowed right. to get pregnant at the time. And right. I can understand just, you know, kind of like if you saw The Handmaid's Tale, 
Um, mm. You know, there's a there's an element of jealousy and longing. Mm. Um, if you feel like you sacrificed something, um, a big part of yourself to be part of something bigger, but somebody, but you felt somebody else didn't have to, even though you know they're just exercising their choice, or mm-hmm. somebody coming coming in already pregnant, and um, you know, are only decide to come in if they're you know allowed to keep their pregnancy. There's so much to unpack there. I I don't know of any situation like that. I do know of a situation with uh, at least two women who did, because of the change in the rules, did consent to getting an abortion, which I was totally 100% against. Late term. I was in the games with them. I said, don't do this. You're crazy. This is disgusting. And, you know, I knew I had to leave because I thought that it was immoral what what was going on and and sylvia late term very late term right yes see that that's that's a whole nother that's why does somebody consent to that that's my question i know why does somebody consent to that yeah that was an abomination Yeah, yeah they could have left the same thing you had these young 18 year old boys saying i want to have a vasectomy and i'm going yeah Eighteen year old boys who don't even mm-hmm. have a chance, you know, don't know what they want in life to uh be participate, but it was like it was like and, and this is the kind of times when I wanna hover in time and set this this is the kind of points I get to in these conversations where I think imagine being in a closed in community that doesn't answer to anyone else in the world at that time, just really closed in. Um, you know, just imagining that everything was a group decision. It's so different than how we live, you know, now. Mm, yes it, and no, you still have an HOA that tells you how to, you know, what to do and it, you still have- But I mean, but I mean, I wanna stop and hover around mm-hmm. these, these uh, uh, pregnancy decisions and these abortions and forced vasectomies and that and, and sylvia what era are we talking about that would have been that would have uh, been about 77 okay okay i was thinking nine so okay 70, thank you, you know, 76 77 70, 70. we i left at the end of 77 so so i mean to suddenly have that turn so yeah i, I can imagine it just I reverberated have. The, yeah, the question I have, whose fault is it? Uh, yes, Synanon was insane. I, I'm totally not saying <laughs> that. But at the same time, no matter what society you live in, okay, yeah. you you have some moral obligations. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I can tell you specific stories about my oh, own yeah. situation there. But um, when a mm-hmm. person loses their moral sense, as has mm-hmm. happened in, in societies all around the world, all mm-hmm. many, many times, then you have to ask yourself, um, how does that happen? And it's still a question in my mind, how these people consented to something that was so obviously wrong. Yeah. How do they do that? And I don't know. Is I guess well, first, they wanted to be I part think of the that, group. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be and you say- They want to be a hero or something to, to some, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I I couldn't do it. Well, studying this, yeah, agreed. But studying this also, it's incremental. 
we uh, like it just really impacts me your stories and sorry you're bringing up the point of you know like how extreme it got because we because i was in a cult i could say we um you know and i was born i was excuse me taken there at a young age so age of 22 so i'm an adolescent when i start trying to you know understand what's going on in the cult but similarly some of these people in Sinan were trying to make life decisions, but based upon major, with major influence from a large group. And to have, as our, uh, you know, free will gets weaker and weaker, because groups are telling us this is a good idea or whatever, you give it up. And it's a choice incrementally to give it up. And it's, it's so, <laughs> it's a cautionary tale. Just when you're when you start saying, you know, there's a facility on premise and there was mass vasectomies, you know, we have reached a nexus of decision point in time historically. This is insane. And that he decided it wasn't, you know, sounds like Charles decided it was not a good business to have kids. So let's get that out of the way. I don't know, but I would, yeah, say, I would say it wasn't cost effective. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are not, you know, true, true about that. And, um, you know, uh, on that incremental, you know, uh, uh, brainwashing we talked about, um, yeah. not, you know, again, I, I hate to use apologetic rhetoric because I'm not excusing people out of their own actions because sometimes we have to take a step back, but I, but you can put yourself in their shoes in some ways, yeah. um, you know, and we know with like Nazi Germany, you know, regular families were opposed to many of the heinous crimes, but kind of just sat back and said, you know, I don't want to get involved. Um, mm -hmm. and, but in this situation, you know, you took some of them were squares, but you took some of these people who were addicts, homeless on the street, nothing to their name and their choices have a late-term abortion, or at least in their mind, have yeah. a late-term abortion, or take your baby and go be homeless, hungry, <laughs> on the streets with nothing. In Sinanon, yeah. you have a job, you have a life, possibly a partner. Um, and I could understand in some ways, uh, not you know to justify it, but why somebody might mm -hmm. make such a heinous decision, yeah. um, feeling, you know, like... Uh, you know, what's the, there's no life outside of Synanon. Um, and yeah. uh, unfortunately, Synanon was great at rebuilding people, but not so great at preparing them for life after Synanon. And unfortunately, there's a lot of um, yeah. uh, relapse um, amongst the Synanon community, especially right after, mm. you know, the disbandment of Synanon. And unfortunately, still today, we are trying to understand how to reduce that um, mm -hmm because that is an ongoing problem. How do we prepare addicts, um, not just you know in rehab where they're safe, but outside yeah. of rehab where they have to make their own choices. And so I think that's why a lot of people made the decision that they made um, because they didn't feel like they had any quality of life otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's an extreme. The two people that I'm aware of that did have the late-term abortion, one was a drug addict that had been sitting on quite a long time and the other one was had come in as a square so okay. that particular thing i think it's the belonging thing i yeah. think uh 
you know, it, it's so important that they belong in this community that they're willing to do anything. And that's just scary. Well, I, I it is, and it became an institution, not just a community, right? Because it's like a job, community, laws, rules, lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, but also the squares, you know, you have to understand that at that time, the squares that were coming in had given all of their assets and all of their yeah. property mm -hmm. to Synodon. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So in some ways, it was the great hmm. equalizer because they too would leave Synanon with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that was uh, putting them in a, in a poor position as well. Um, so <laughs> by the end of it, you know, they, they were kind of, uh, in a smart way, Chuck, you know, created the, <laughs> the way to equalize the squares and the, and the addicts, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, the sad mm -hmm. part is that they were all in that right. same boat, really. There's a little bit of... Um envy anger and jealousy towards people that didn't have the addiction maybe possibly uh, but you know but if they but if they you know came in a synodon and stripped out and and you know um had nothing as well then you know they were a little bit more accepted you know what i mean i think true they, yeah uh, not that it was right to take everything away from them but i think if they had kept on to that and held on to that um not only would chuck not have as much control on the squares yeah. as he would on the addicts but you know i'm sure there would be much more of a rift between the two communities and same for all cults you must um perform the initial ritual to get accepted in right and then you're a part of this group and then you have to perform the continued acceptance rituals to stay in the group i did that mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and they became more and more outlandish until i said i'm leaving <laughs> that's basically right. the only thing you too same thing yeah, so, uh, yeah sophia that's exactly yeah. right i said it became more and more demanding I, and insane right, and i don't believe this anymore i don't i i don't believe in you anymore and the first was the violence, doing. right? Yeah. And then yeah. the separation of marriage and saying you have to change partners. Right. The babies, the forced vasectomies. What else yeah. was on your shelf? <laughs> oh, you mean as far as not believing? Oh, well, I feel like, yeah. uh, you know, particularly I mentioned this in the podcast uh, when Ron Cook came in the game uh, wearing a holster and a gun. Right. You know. Uh, what's the point? I mean, it, it's the, game, the game was the church. The game was the the prayer meeting. You know, the game was the, yeah. the glue that kept it together. And if if mm -hmm. somebody can carry a gun into a game, then it's over. It's done. There's no yeah. game. There's no there's no prayer meeting. It's safe all, place. Yeah, it's not a safe place. It's a hierarchy of beings and. That's not what I moved into. So I was done. I was definitely done. And, you know, it's funny because when I hear all the details that went into Synodon, there was such a height and a, and a high time. There was mm -hmm. such a positive and a high and a productive mm -hmm. time. And I say that's probably true for m most cults. And then on the decline, it's sheer madness, right, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as it unravels. But we are seeking... There's something in us that seeks a uh, perfect community, a, mm -hmm. a harmonious working life still. Right. You know, I think that's still a dream for most people. And there's part of me that's truly cynical towards the idea of God and towards the idea of a commune. Because 
I think there needs to be a balance and a commune and a community and a sense of self. If we lose it, there's going to be a breakdown of the group too. If each person loses their sense of self, there's ultimately one person has to be the totalitarian leader or ultimately already was. Well, we can't I, even get marriages to work. So, you know, I don't know how you get a community <laughs> work. I mean, 50, 60% of marriages end in divorce and in violence and all kinds of stuff. So even two people getting along is t difficult. Then you right. have I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I really don't. At the same time, I have to say that I I did flourish for a while in Sin and I. Right. I did think, uh, I did feel at home. I did feel like these people were my tribe. You know, we were broken up into tribes. Right. And there was a sense of um, uh, being part of something bigger than yourself. If we mm -hmm. look at our, you know, the current state of affairs in our country, look at what we got. We got some serious, serious problems of violence and, and um, uh, you know, just just very serious uh, challenges to democracy. And I think that uh, it's, it's the same kind of thing. We just haven't figured out the human condition. Exactly. Synanon is kind of just a, a reflection, a small reflection, really 2000 people at its height. Right. Um, and we couldn't do it. We couldn't get it together. So, yep. Uh, understood you, have, you know and you're and, not alone <laughs> no and i really uh i i regret that i feel sorry that mm -hmm. um it didn't work that it couldn't work that we had a leader that fell apart mm. i do too i saw i i saw great things and great sense of community and i saw destruction right it's like right. so we know we've seen firsthand and sari you've seen all the after effects in your family and all the friends related to sinam you've seen many after effects you saw your your father living with looking over his shoulder most of his life yeah and um you know especially after doing this podcast i was surprised to see how many um Sinanon, ex ex Sinanon members uh still have some um you know, I keep using the word, you know, apologetics, uh, these deep-rooted apologies for the oh, community. Yeah. And I think they're mm -hmm. still very much torn between, mm -hmm. um, you know, what it was and what it became. Um, but I, I'm sort of far enough removed where, you know, I think I think we have to be honest with ourselves. And, um, uh, yeah, but, it, you know, it's very hard because even, you know, having a, a discussion about sitting on um, – to any ex synodal member, you never know how they're going to feel, um, and it's a, it was a big part of their lives. So I mean, I, I can imagine it, it would touch every facet of their lives: their relationships, their finances, their education, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, their core beliefs, uh, even to this day, for sure. And we all have such varied experience, um, depending upon our age, our status, etc., during the time in the cult. I've recently spoken to, uh, for the first time in 30-some years, spoken to ex-members of the cult. I was in Morningland Church as well. And some had a very positive experience. They don't want to see anything negative. 
Mm-hmm. And they're, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm over here going, well, don't fool yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, people were hurt. So there is always a spectrum. But what's interesting to me, um, both of you guys have such unique perspective because you're, sorry, you grew up with people who had um, all of this experience in Synodon, yet you were born after. And then, Sophia, you saw the rise and the decline, the good ideas gone wrong. And we all can say, look at humanity and look at us try. <laughs> and we keep trying, you know, and I still, I don't, I haven't lost my sense of try still. You know, I still want to um, experience the group. I still want to experience positive creativity among my human fellow beings. And it's not like, I'm just not going to let it kill me. You know, I'm not going to let it destroy my sense of faith in other humans. We're still good, but certainly these things do tell us a cautionary tale and the details, the devil is in the details <laughs> because you, you've got so much to share both of you from these perspectives. And I, I would love to hear your final thoughts on this. Well, I just want to say that the, that the people who, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Sari on this. I'm surprised sometimes when I've to- spoken to people that they uh, have a Pollyanna view <laughs> of <laughs> Synanon and that they're still justifying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm not one of those people. I mean, I, I certainly speak about the good. And, you know, if I had to say anything, really had to talk about it and write about it, I would say talk about the education system that, that, you know, reading Emerson and having searches and, you know, we, we did a lot of amazing things um, at, in, in small groups that were very exciting. But okay. I'm not a fool either. And right. the way it turned out, the intention was there for goodness. It really was. But it just went off the railroad track, you know, it just went off the track and it forgot and I say this now in terms of school, you know, I've taught for, for 20 years in schools. I've been in a lot of different schools. Schools mm-hmm. forget their purpose. Their purpose is to educate students. Yes. So what is their purpose? It's testing. Not, you know, <laughs> testing, yeah. Uh, it's to control teachers that they script their, their mm-hmm. knowledge so everybody's scripting the same nonsense. Oh, you uh, bet. You know, uh so, you know, schools are cults in a way and institutions. Mm. And you have, you've know, been a teacher 20 years, yes. you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. you know, uh, I, I've i seen this repeated, this pattern. Yep, me of, too. Uh, over and over and over mm-hmm. again in various organizations that yep. I've been part of. Uh, yep. Worked for big companies, you know, it's PC support, and I've seen the same process happen. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to, and I just um, so it's not just synonym; it's the no. way human beings want to work in the world. And until they can understand, you can't have you can't have one leader right. who's in charge of everybody, and no. you can't have fearful people. No. So I don't have the answer because obviously I'm not the leader of the group. But but sharing your knowledge is vital. Yeah. I agree you have a lot. 100% that 
that some of these people who are justified, and you know what? I understand they were in Synanon for 40 years, some of these people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 30, 40 years. It's now, like being institutionalized. They can't, how are they going to wipe out all yeah. that time? How are they going to yeah. say bad things about it? It's going to be very hard for them. But I yeah. am surprised always. always. I, it mm -hmm. just does throw me back. And when I start to talk to them and I hear in their voices that justifying, well, we did what we had to do. No, no, mm -hmm. that's just not true. Anyway. So I see the same thing politically, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. It's all over the place. Are you there, Sari? Yes, I am. Um, I think the closing note on this is um, uh, just like your experience, Frankie, I think the more we talk about things and the more we don't, you know, push them under the cover, we can have differences of opinion and, you know, everybody everybody has their own comments, of course, but um, we need to talk about the pain. We need to talk about the good, but we need to talk about the pain. We need to talk about the problems. We need to talk about um, who these cults hurt and really break down how these cults came to be. I mean, of course, Synanon didn't start out as a cult. Right, um, right. And, uh, you know, not every religious church um you know, falls down that rabbit hole as well. I mean, you know, right. depending on the, the community, of course, I'm small, on small scale. Agreed. So, yes, I think we just, just like you, you know, I love your podcast because we just need oh, to thank keep you. talking about it. We need to talk about, you know, every cult and break down how this phenomena happens and how people get sucked in and not only just sucked in, but how, they, like you said, the gradual effects keep people in, um, yeah. dangerous cults and allow things to happen that they otherwise wouldn't allow to happen. And it's like, goes back to, you know, cave times. Like we, we go in troops, we go in clans, you know, mm -hmm. to protect ourselves. And it's a natural wanting to belong to a school of fish is a natural increment. But I've, I personally am comfortable with being a societal outlier at this point to speak against some of the formations that I don't agree are healthy and your insights have been so great and i've loved speaking to you both times because you both have just a very unique perspective and i hope you keep on talking mm -hmm. to everybody well, and I, I hope you write a book you. together or something <laughs> cool yeah be very interesting and and you say you're waiting for season two possibly of the sunshine place podcast is that, uh, is that I true? I don't or? know if anybody's been talking about season two. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm All not right. sure where that was from. <laughs> My bad. I, I, um, I must have read something, some, you know, some pundit somewhere. But you've got eight episodes. Will there be more? Yes. I mean, I would love to do a season two. I mean, I would love to talk about Me a season too. two. But, you know, I, I can't. There's no guarantee or anything like that of a season got it. two. But um, if there is, then I hope I hope listeners will, um, you know, give a shout out to the podcast and let people know that they were interested in a season two. And then, of course, okay. you know, there's much more to dive into, of course. Well, I better yes. get on that. Because <laughs> I want a season two. Because, yeah, with 50 years total, right? Right. Of sitting on. It's like Morningland also has been 50 years, but not the numbers. The things, the institutions that were spawned from Synanon make it historically significant. Mm -hmm. Extremely, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think people definitely need to know more about that because we got the troubled teen industry and institutions going right now hurting people. Yes, it, yes. It's not and working. That would be an, another level of topics to delve into for sure. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one that I'm watching now. Cold Folk Podcast has done a tremendous amount and she continues to do a tremendous amount of research on troubled teen. And I recommend you guys check those out. I think she's got like 20 episodes on various, uh, with multiple people yeah. on this topic. Yeah. So she's really diving into it. And I, a lot of it harkens back to Synanon, um, yeah. uh, the CDU schools and the taking yeah. notes later, uh, ex Synanon members taking notes and trying to create schools. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that looms. So mm -hmm. I jumped out of my skin when the podcast came out. Mm -hmm. I was really excited because having been in a cult in the 70s, you guys were right around the corner. And I would always hear things about sitting on and think, oh, okay, it must be like us. And then when I saw the shaved head, I'm like, well, not exactly. <laughs> 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 shaving everybody's head and snatching them in the middle of the night was not happening at Michael. <laughs> Just wait. But they, Just wait. Yeah, but each cult you know, has their own sort of um, outward symbol, whether that's, um, yeah. you know, a dress code for True. women and men, um, you know, whether that's uh, some religious communities, a skirt. Um, yep. It's it's not only a way to equalize the people within the community, but also to show others that they belong, that they're, you know, they belong to something um, that's not the uh, status quo. True. Yeah, and can you imagine as a redheaded twin, my sister and I wearing white to school all the time? Wow. That's, yeah. And we had bandana, like a tiara that just goes around on the forehead and really long hair. So, yeah, we were like these 70s, um, I don't know what the words are, but cult members, <laughs> <laughs> I believe is the word. Yeah. I was there. Well, kudos to you both. And thank you again thank for talking you. with us today. Take uh, care. Thank you. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Much love Take to you care. both. Good and luck. thank you for okay, speaking guys. with me here today. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to The Frankie Files. FrankieFilesPodcast.com.